1988, the crime rate in the United States rises 400%. 1991, the United States police force is formed. 1997, New York City is a walled maximum security prison. John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Kurt Russell. Lee Van Cleef. Ernest Borgnine. Donald Pleasance. Isaac Hayes. Season Hubley. Harry Dean Stanton as Brain. And Adrian Barbeau as Maggie. John Carpenter's Escape from New York. The ultimate adventure of escape and survival. Hello and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews. The movie review podcast that'll slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. And each and every month there's a thing. And this month it's John Carpenter Classics 2. Which is my look at The Thing, Dark Star, Big Trouble Little China, and today's movie, Escape from New York. And why is it called Classics 2, I hear you ask? Well, last year I covered The Fog, Prince of Darkness, Christine, and I can't remember the bloody other one I covered. <laughs> anyway, check my archives. <clears throat> Coming out in 1981 and set in a future, 1997, in a world gone very wrong, this cult Classic was the blueprint, blueprint even, of almost every dystopian future movie that wasn't a Mad Max clone. By the way, check my archives, I've covered these movies also. Also, Snake Plissken was the blueprint for Solid Snake from the Metal Gear Solid games. Filmed in late 1980 in St. Louis, Missouri, that apparently had a huge urban fire in the late 70s, this was a perfect fit for a hellhole New York. Well, hellhole in the movie, New York that is. With an all-star cast and its $5 million budget, this pulled in $25 million and became a cult classic. So here it is, Escape from New York. Oh, and I'll quickly mention its sequel, Escape from Los Angeles, which was basically an almost shot-for-shot remake. Uh, the only thing good about it was the Bruce cameo. The uh, Bruce cameo? The Bruce Campbell cameo, even. <laughs> oh anyway, back to Escape from New York. Starring Kurt Russell, Lee Van Cleef, Donald Pleasance, Ernest Bornine, Isaac Hayes, Adrian Barbeau, Harry Dean Stanton and Tom Atkins, directed by John Carpenter. The plot. In a future where crime is out of control, the US government decided to make New York City's Manhattan Island a maximum security prison, in which prisoners are sent in for a life sentence. Only a few days unless they're Get lucky, i.e. joining a gang and don't get eaten on the spot or killed on the spot. Anyway, Air Force One crash lands in the prison, so the US government send in a former Marine and one-eyed badass, Snake 
Plusking to risk the present and achieve his all-important speech for world peace on a video cassette, uh, video cassette, on a cassette tape. Video cassette tape. Oh, this was 1997, should it be CD? Hmm. Anyway, moving on. Can Snake find and rescue the president? Will he survive the main streets of New York and the deranged gangs? And what does all important tape find out here? So the movie opens up on the cool, literal early 80s theme and unfortunately boring black titles, but that theme is just too bloody well cool. After three minutes of plain black titles, do we hear a voiceover by Jamie Lee Curtis who explains that in 1988 the crime rate in America rose by well over 400%. So the government makes Manhattan Island the one prison in the country, throwing people in for the least wee thing. Or indeed murder. So from say jaywalking to murder, in they go. <clears throat> I guess crime is crime. If you don't want to do the time, you shouldn't do the bloody crime. Mm. Anyway, a 50-foot wall is built around Manhattan Island and the Trump watches and take notes, which is surrounded by the US police force, which is now an army. And once you're in, you're not coming out. So nine years later, in 1997, do we see how serious the government is by saying once you're in, you ain't coming out? As an attack helicopter blows a makeshift raft with prisoners on top of it out of the water. And note, all the city backdrops are matte paintings done by James Cameron, who also did the Air Force One plane. That's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> Anybody attack helicopters, buddies, the Statue of Liberty, the one and only shot in New York. And here we meet Deputy Chief of Police Remy, played by Tom Atkins of Halloween 3, The Fog, Chip Archives, My Bloody Valentine 3D, again, Chip Archives, and Night of the Creeps, coming soon. As he gloats about the two dead prisoners in the water, the camera pans out and Cuts to a dam. Why a dam in New York? Eh, who knows? In which, so on which, uh, the police army base camp is built. Why the hell is there a dam outside New York? Move on. I mean, that's the ocean and that's, uh, who cares? A prison bus pulls up and off walks our anti-hero Snake Plissken, played by Kurt Russell of Big Trouble Little China, The Thing, Soldier, and Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. He's taken to processing, and we get yet another voiceover from Jamie Lee saying this is the last chance for a quick death before Manhattan, and if you want to be killed and cremated on the spot, ask your warden. Charming as. Then we meet Chief of Police Hawk, or Hawk, played by Lee Van Cleef of many, many westerns, including The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, A Few Dollars More, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, and A Magnificent Seven Rides Again. So Remy tells him there's a small jet in trouble over the skies of New York. It's Air Force One, and it's been hijacked by the soldiers of the National Liberation of America. And that is rewind this thing three times to figure out what the fuck she said on the bloody radio. Mumbles it badly. Anyway, it seems these people want workers' rights, and are sick and tired of the tyrannical government controlling absolutely bloody everything. And here we meet President... I don't know what his other name is, just President... Played by the late, great Donald Pleasance of the Halloween movies, you know, of twice. Prince of Darkness, Chick Archives, and that was the other one I covered, bloody Prince of Darkness. Actually, did I mention Prince of Darkness? Oh, who cares? And the great escape. He's handcuffed to a briefcase and bundled up to a skate pod. And this escape pod looks bloody well cheap. It looks like it's made out of bloody plywood and bloody plastic. And by the way, why is he British? Anyway, the plane crashes onto a scale model of Manhattan. 
but the present escapes in his little pod. Hawk, or Hulk, the pronounces fucking name, uh, goes into a rescue the present, but is chased off by one of the many insane gang leaders, Romaro, played by Frank Doubleday, who, according to the cast, was a little bit out there himself. Indeed, he got more of Romaro's look of filed down teeth and undead look from... Well, Dawn of the Dead, actually, or actually, it's, it's more like the um, Splinter ones, the um, Night Love of Dead look. Moving on. <coughs> actually, it's more like bloody evil Ed from Fright Night. Moving on. Um, he shows Hawk the presence ring with fingers still attached and tells him to get out in 30 seconds or he's dead. Cut to a scene with Hawk and the Secretary of State. And why isn't the Vice President? Hmm. Played by Charles Cyphers, he comes up with a plan to use Snake Pliskin to rescue the President. And note, Kurt Russell came up with the look of Snake himself, the eye patch and voice which he modelled on Clint Eastwood, leather jacket, etc, etc. Also, he wears two eye patches throughout this movie, one he can see out of for action scenes and one where he couldn't. But he couldn't wear that one because it was fucking up his vision apparently and... Anyway, he's given 24 hours to get the president back. If he does, he'll get a full pardon for all his crimes he's done, such as a bank robbery on a train, which is a cutscene as on, on the Bullery and I believe on the DVD. Interesting little thing there. Moving on. Seems he was a war hero, a double purple heart indeed, and a former Marine. So he's armed up, given a, tra- a tracer device and tracking device to fight the president. He's also injected with many bombs that will go off in 22 hours unless he returns with the president. And there's a little flub here because they say they have to be returned an hour before to turn off the bombs using X-ray. But they suddenly, I'll get back to that at the end. Because when he returns, there's only something like 30 seconds left. So, hmm, there's a flub there. Anyway, with that, Snake swears to kill Hawk on his return. And he's given a glider and told to land on one of the World Trade Towers. In the glider he goes and he crash lands on one of the Trade Towers. Note, the 3D computer readouts were actually glow-in-the-dark tape, stuck on the miniature sets and lit up and using black lights because they couldn't afford the 3D effects. And in my opinion, this thing looks much more better than the shitty early 80s 3D would have been used anyway. So, hmm. Now on the ground because apparently he can get from the fucking top of the World Trade Centre uh, on the ground in less than fucking 30 seconds, which is super bloody, man. <clears throat> now on the ground, now on the ground, Snake scopes out the downed Air Force One, finding no one alive. And note, this plane was a Convair 580, which had to be stuck into St. Louis under cover of darkness, as Captain didn't have the permits to film it. So, this one pan, pan and glide shot is done for real. This is a real burned out street with three dump trucks full of garbage scattered over the place and a real plane cut into three huge sections with real fire. I mean, Jesus Christ, talk about the realism. <laughs> Snake uses a tracking device to track down the present. It takes him into an old rundown theatre where inmates are putting on a show of guys in drag singing Everyone's Coming to New York. Cute character, real cute. We can got New York, New York. <laughs> anyway, here we meet Cabby, played by Ernest Bornine of the Poseidon Avenger, the Black Hole, Airwolf, Small Soldiers, and Spongebob Squarepants for my younger listeners. Hmm. Snake tracks the device to an old drunk, played by Buck Flowers of the Live. Check my archives. He's jumped and quickly deals with the guys that jumps him, 
but Snake smashes the tracking device, which causes panic in the base camp until Snake radios in, telling him the prison is lost and possibly dead. And he was out, but Hawk tells him he still has 18 hours left to find the president. Snake walks the trash-filled, empty streets until he finds the escape pod, where he's distracted and caught off guard by one of the many, many gangs. These are underground sub-dwellers, so you know these guys are fucking bug nuts. So, Snake has no choice but to run for it. And note, these manhole covers were actually made of wood and not metal, because metal was too bloody heavy for the actors. Snake hides in a rundown diner, and here we meet a woman played by Season Hubley, who was Kurt Russell's then wife. She tells him the lay of the land. She also tells him he'd best stay put until daybreak, or he'll be eaten by the underground gang of cannibals. And she also asks him, Hey, aren't you Snake Plissken? I thought you were dead. Which is a running joke for this movie, because every time someone meets him, he at, they ask him the same question. Aren't you Snake Plissken? I thought you were dead. Blah, 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 blah. They're attacked by the gang and overran, so Snake has to run for it yet again. He runs outside an apartment, shoots at a wall, kind of like they do in Barb Wire, check Mark eyes. Oh, by the way, Barb, Snake wants his bit back. You ain't no bloody Snake Plissken, love. As he's running, he drops his walkie-talkie and smashes it, so there's no way to contact Hawk. Snake has to run for his life again as he's getting chased down by dozens of these underground cannibal-type gang people. Hmm. Reminds me, maybe I should do Chud too, Bud the Chud. Hmm. Until Cabby helps him escape. The Cabby questions him until Snake pulls a gun on him and he spills the Duke of New York has the president. Cabby takes Snake to meet the Duke in the New York Public Library, but he takes him to see Brain instead because the Duke isn't there and Brain's his right hand man apparently. And this Brain is played by Harry Dean Stanton of Alien fame, coming soon. Fear and Loving a Little Las Vegas and the Green Mile. Also his assistant slash girlfriend, Maggie, played by Adrian Barbeau of The Fog and Swamp Thing. Seems Snake and Brain are <clears throat> old friends as Brain left them for dead four years earlier. And I love how in the middle of this huge library, there's an oil refinery. I guess that's how they get all these cars running on this oil and gas that they find in New York. I mean, does New York have oil and gas under it? Moving on. So Snake and Brain comes up with a, a deal to get him and his girlfriend out using the glider if he helps them find a president in time. Out they go and are quickly chased by the Duke, played by Isaac Hayes of South Park fame, his men and other gang members. So Snake steals a car and heads down Broadway, smashing through a barricade to escape. Brain leads Snake to the president in Grand Central Station on one of the burned out bloody trains or this new strange anyway, As Brain keeps the gang with their talking, Snake sneaks onto the train and rescues the president. Unfortunately, Snake takes an arrow to the knee and slows down the escape. Outside, they're jumped by more gang members and the president is then caught. Duke then knocks out Snake with a tyrant to the face and I swear to God that would have probably killed him. Moving on. As Hawk sends out helicopters to hunt down Snake, again showing more of the cool 3D effects, but they can't find him because apparently they can't trace one bloody person in this huge ass island. I mean, uh... Snake comes to and has to face off with Duke's heavy slag, played by former AWA wrestler Ox Baker. As Duke takes pot shots at the president, does Brain try to tell him Snake told him about the time limit to get the president out? But Duke doesn't want to hear it, sending Brain to get his map 
of the one way off the island using a bridge, which apparently is mined up, but is impossible to cross due to the landmines. Meanwhile, Duke shoots the briefcase open and out falls the president's all-important taped speech, which Romaro picks up. So the next morning, does Hawk send in helicopters yet again, who foolishly land and find the president's empty case. Back in the library, Brain figures out where Snake's glider is. Back in police base camp, does Hawk read out the Duke's demands for the president, uh, which basically he wants um, all prisoners to be released and all pardoned, plus food rations, but yet no money, but he just wants food rations. Okay then, hmm. Moving on. With this, Hawk sends in an attack force, so with 1 hour and 50 minutes left, Snake is up against it, as Duke's men leads him to a wrestling ring to face Slag. And note, this fight was done for real, and for real punches and hits, as Ox hits uh, Kurt Russell with a bloody baseball bat, until Kurt asked him to lay off a bit, and Ox calmed down. So these were real blows. I mean, he really tossed him around the ring and really punched him, etc, etc. Jesus Christ. Old school wrestlers for you. Anyway, after getting tossed around the ring, the snake kills Slag with a blow to the guts with a baseball bat with nails through it, and then a blow to the back of the head, and he's dead. And note, this wrestling ring was shot in Union Station in St. Louis before it was renovated several years later. Brain tries his hardest to talk his way into seeing the president, fooling Romaro into letting him in where Maggie kills the henchman and Brain kills Romaro by stabbing him to death. He cuts the president free and note the wig Donald Pleasance was wearing here was his idea because apparently it would have been funny with the president wearing a blonde wig. Mm, foreshadowing him much. With the crowds cheering for Snake, one of Duke's men tells him Brain has a presence and the president even and screams to the crowd, Brain has a present, and he's dead. Snake hops into the ring after his tracker, which was on the wrist of the timekeeper, and it just cuts to Snake in a World Trade Center, heading to the roof with his tracking device on his wrist, and no idea how he managed to get it from the sky, but he just does, so moving on. On the roof is Brain, Maggie and the present, fighting off Duke's men, as more cut the ground of flea, free, even... Ah, uh, again. Cut the glider free. Put teeth back in there. With the glider crash landing to the ground, why the hell do not use the fucking glider? It must be at least a two or three seater if he's going to try and get three people off using the glider. I mean, hmm. Snake must get the present across the bridge. Too bad Brain's car is dead in the lobby. As Duke and his men come out of the shadows, Snake shoots the gas tanks and runs for it yet again. Got a safe an action hero. He seems to do a lot of bloody well running. For his life, that is. Outside, Cabby picks him up handily as Cabby has the presence tape. Lucky that. Hmm. With, 23, uh, with 23 minutes left, Snake has to dare to get across the bridge with Duke giving chase, swerving parked cars, which are supposed to be landmined up. Snake gets across easily, even Duke gets across. And how easy is it to escape from Bloody World New York then? Hmm. I thought this is supposed to be impossible to cross unless you have a map, but it seems to be swerving and weaving, dodging all these cars. Anyway, one mistime mine and this cab is cut in two. Snake checks cabby, he's dead. So he continues on foot with Brain, Maggie and the President. Brain sits on a landmine and blows himself up, so Maggie stays behind to deal with Duke, who just mows her down as she takes potshots and 
at him using her revolver and she shoots him from miles off. You just wait until he's closer and shoot her, you stupid. Mm. Moving on. Note this death scene was done after filming because it is inconclusive whether or not Maggie was dead. Although, and seeing that as a cat, like plowing you down, you're dead, love. Inside police base camp, Hawk is told Snake is on the 69th bridge. With 14 minutes left, Snake and a present must escape. Arrow was let down for a present, but Duke stops Snake's escape. So the present guns him down and Snake scales the wall. With seconds to go, Snake's bombs are deactivated and, as we was seen earlier, that shouldn't have happened. He should have been blown to pieces because he was told he had to be an hour before to deactivate the bombs, but one x-ray and boom, it's finished. Okay then, moving on. He hands over the tape. The president is cleaned up for his international peace broadcast. Snake asks the president how he feels about Maggie, Brain and Cabby's death, but all it gives him is a typical PR spin bullshit. So Snake walks away in utter disgust. Hawk offers Snake a job, but turns him down, walking off. The president gives his speech to the peace conference, uh, plays a tape, which turns out to be big band music, as Snake snaps the tape. And that is the most downer ending in cinematic history. As credits roll. So, that was Escape from New York. Not as good as I remembered, but it does have a killer soundtrack. The acting is great, and the crafty effects are top-notch. But it doesn't seem to chill. Something seems to be off, and something is missing. I think it's the music doesn't fit the action scenes, I'm, I'm guessing, I mean, and there's not that much action in this, there's a few gun fights and a couple of fights in the ring, but that's about it, there's nothing much in this. I mean, it's mostly cut Russell Ring for his bloody life, as I said earlier. However, I'm going to give this thing a 7 out of 10. So, come back next week as I wrap up Carpenter Classics 2 with Big Trouble in Little China, one of my favourite movies. February is vampire movies or love sucks, such as Freak Night and Vamp. March is B-movie March Madness, including The Stuff, Evil Dead 3, and Chud 2, Bud the Chud. April is Aliens, so don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod, or email me movie suggestions to Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other franchise podcasts of Resident Evil, Hellraiser, House, Blades and more. Also my solo podcast of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, Donnie Darko, Dracor and many, many more. A bye. And remember, I watch these movies so you don't have to.